0: Welcome to the WIPS podcast, inspiring and empowering women to take the stage and up their game in the public speaking arena. My name is Chantal Bosse from Shabbos, leaders for your presentation, public speaking and AV needs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Nancy Solari. She's from California. And I must say that you will truly be inspired by her. And instead of me giving all the information, I'll let her introduce herself. So welcome with us, Nancy.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, for everybody listening, I know public speaking can sometimes be scary, but there's nothing like knowing that you're saying something that just touches one person, maybe 10 people, maybe 100 people, and, and that's what
0: we do it for. So I'm excited to be a part of everyone's journey. Oh, that's great. I'm so happy that I'm having you today. And let's start right off. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what's your business, because you're doing a lot of great things. Well, thank you.
1: Thank um, you. I guess I'll step back a bit and just kind of let everybody know my company company name is called living fallout and we launched in 2008 and it was really born out of the fact that we wanted to help people achieve their goals and dreams. And sometimes it's hard to put those elements together, whether it be physically or emotionally, how am I going to do this and what does it look like? And so when, uh, when we started in 2008, one of the first things we did as a delivery method to assist people was speaking. And so it was really finding the right, the first audience groups that we wanted to connect with. And our journey started with women entrepreneurs and the visually impaired Uh, because I myself am actually legally blind. I have a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, uh, which I was actually diagnosed with at 16. So today I'm legally blind. So i Everything in my world is really blurry, and there's not like colors, everything's kind of dull and uh, and I see mainly like shapes and shadows and that kind of thing wow. but uh but that's really how I kicked off my speaking career
0: that's interesting, and what made you embrace public speaking knowing that you probably had that extra challenge to it?
1: Yeah, you know, I will tell you it was a bit of a challenge um i i I I grew up uh, with, uh, you know, getting a degree in broadcasting and psychology, and and I went into uh, TV, and then I went into the music industry, and then into real estate. And while in all of those careers, it involved talking, it wasn't talking to an audience of, you know, 20, 100, 1,000 people. So it was kind of intimidating to figure out, you know, how do you put a message together How do you connect with an audience, especially for me, and not being able to see their eyes or are they interested? Are they falling asleep? (laughs) You know, (laughs) there were some early challenges. Um, But a lot of times I learned to take audio cues, which I think is good anyway. So involving the audience, asking them questions, you know, getting them to, to answer back. You know, you get a pulse right there as to are they listening? Are they connected? Um, and, and then if you can walk into the audience, be with them. So a lot of times speakers put themselves on a stage on a riser and you're higher than your audience. Mm -hmm. I really like it when I'm at the same level as my audience, or even if I can have an assistant help me and I can walk out into the audience and like grab their hand. It just helps with a deeper connection.
0: That's great. And it's also a great tip, I find, for people that don't have a sight problem, because being attentive to the energy in the room is so important. And you probably develop that extra sense to it, because you cannot see them. But I really like the fact that you still enjoy just having someone assist you and going to the audience to feel them. What a way to do it. And how, how did you manage to start doing so? Because I guess that was an added, added challenge. Sometimes you have the technical crews or the event organizers that are set in their roles. So that must have been really inter- interesting. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because I am different than their average speaker. Because most speakers, they might uh, stand at the podium, uh, they might use a PowerPoint. Um, you know, I, I will sometimes use a PowerPoint, and mainly I do that so a, an audience is visually stimulated. But yes. I can't see the PowerPoint; it doesn't do <laughs> me any good. So it's going to keep <laughs> me on track. You know what I mean? And so and so, what I decided is is to really build build a moment within the room. So, you know, like when you go to a concert and it's one main singer on stage, it, yes, they have a light show and all these things going on, maybe dancers, but it's that singer's voice. It's the words that they say. It's the stories that they tell within their song. It's that power that pulls people in. They don't need the dancers. They don't need the lights. It's that voice. So what I've learned in my speaking career is that, It isn't about the PowerPoint. It isn't about looking good. It's all about the stories you tell. And if you tell compelling stories and relatable stories, that's when you'll grab your audience.
0: I so love your answer because that is one thing I've been telling speakers and clients for so many years that forget about putting the focus on your PowerPoint. That's not it. You're supposed to be the most important person there. You're the one presenting. And also that you bring in that storytelling part to it. It's a shame that so many people these days, they don't even think it's important. They just go on autopilot and they just deliver information instead of making sure they have a compelling story that goes with it. I really, really like how you put it because I'm sure people will realize, well, if that helps her public speaking, even though I'm seeing, I should probably put in the same effort to walk the room, have a compelling story, and maybe a question I would have, did you do anything different, or did you have any uh, special classes to practice your voice, since that's your most important tool that you have?
1: Well, yeah, you know, uh, I was always into singing growing up, uh, singing in college, national anthems and different things. And of course I studied broadcasting in college. So I, using my voice was already part of my hobbies and my profession, but you could still, you can have a, a, a voice and you can carry it well, but you still have to be able to tell those stories. Absolutely. And so what I invite your audience to do is Is even take going out to lunch with a friend, even take going to a a networking group or a party on the weekend, a barbecue, whatever. Take that as moments to start telling stories and listening to other people's stories. And and that's how you get to be better and better and better as a speaker is that listening and also having something of value to talk about. Something other than the weather. Tell them about... a hard you know a hard day you had or a success you had or how you helped a client i think a lot of times when we network with other people it is that kind of superficial conversation but again you can't have that superficial conversation as a networker and you definitely can't have it as a speaker you got to have that honest meaningful delivery
0: oh absolutely and i also like that you're pointing out having also an intention to listen listening well to what people are saying listening not with the intention of what am i going to reply just listening to take in that story take in what people are sharing with us that must be an important part of what you're doing also when you're public speaking absolutely
1: and and you know to couple that with the storytelling it is that delivery method of how do you stay on target? Again, a lot of speakers will rely on their PowerPoint. They'll they'll refer to it. It keeps keeps them on track, or they'll have index cards or something like that. Being legally blind, none of that helps me. So. I will share with your audience something that I have defined over the years, and this has helped me and it actually has been fun for the audience as well. Um, I will always ask the organizers to give me a six foot table to my right side, and I have little dividers, and I kind of depending on how long my speech is, I might have five different dividers or I might have ten if it 's like a three hour speech. And then what I did is I went to, we have a place here called Michael's, a craft store. And I went and I got little mementos, little uh, little reminders of my story. So if I'm telling a story about being in Paris, France, I have a little teeny ornament that is Eiffel Tower. Nice. If I'm telling a story, about my faith or something like that, I have a little teeny cross. And so as I go through, I just pick up each of these little props and they keep me on track. And I know that when I pick up a prop, each story should be able to be told within about two minutes. And so I just have as many props as I need
0: to guide me through my presentation. That is so cool. I love that trick because you have adapted So to speak, a way to let's call it visually, you feel your cues instead of seeing them. And that is really an interesting way to stay on track. It does bring another question for me. How do you manage that timing part? Because most of people will, yeah, like you said, they will rely on their slides. They will have a timer. They will see something. How do you manage to keep track of time and have the feeling that you're staying focused? That is a great question. Um,
1: Honestly, we always have to think of the audience first. And if you were in the audience, how long would you want to hear a story? And generally stories that go any longer than five minutes can sometimes go on and on and on. So I, 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 I start there first. I put a limit to how long I want to talk about a story generally between, I would say two and five minutes. And then I kind of think about that story and I have to have just a little bit of context about setting up, the situation, the event, the moment. And then I share with them the pain, the stress, the problem I was facing. Mm-hmm. And then I share with them the solution, whatever I figured out, whatever the aha moment was. And then I bring it always back around to the audience. So I make sure that I hit four things, context of the story, what was the problem, what was the solution, and how does that relate to the audience?
0: that's a really important point and you're doing in a natural way what everyone every speaker should be doing putting the audience first because that's the most important thing we should be thinking about the value we're giving them which will also make us more memorable memorable in the end finally so that's really an important point you're sharing there yeah. and
1: you know, the, the the thing I'll say about that is, um, and I'm sure many speakers who are listening today have had this moment. It's like after you give a speech and, and you're done, you kind of have that butterflies in your stomach, but kind of excited. You're like, let's do that again. You know, that was fun. Yes. Or, you know, when's the next gig, right? It, it's this, It's this really great energy. Well, you want your audience to have that same energy. So when you're done talking, as they're clapping or after they're done and you're walking off stage, you want them to say to yourself, wow, that was great information. Like you want them to have an equally uh, memorable moment.
0: Oh, absolutely. I guess that's the whole point of sharing, making sure that they get as much fun out of it as we do, because that's how they will remember and also put in practice what we shared with them. I find that the more fun we can make them have, the better they are at putting everything in practice afterwards. Um, Tell me, Nancy, you have probably so many stories, but do you have one great memory that comes to mind? Something that either triggered those butterflies or something that was really memorable to you? And why was it?
1: You know, and that's a really, another really good question. You have such great questions. I'm so impressed. (laughs) Um, But no, But no, that is a good one. I, I don't, you know, I've spoken a lot and I'm, you know, I think that when I think about that props, uh, scenario that I told Mm -hmm. you about just a second ago, uh, one of the ones that stands out to me is when I, uh, was offered to speak at this event and initially it was supposed to be for 60 minutes and they were like, you know what, we want you to speak for four hours. Like, we just want you to keep on going. And I was like, okay, but Four hours. I mean, that was that was a ton of props, and that was a ton of stories. I had forty-two stories. I had forty-two props, (gasps) and you better believe I used that six that six foot table. (laughs) And honestly, as as I went through each story, and by the time I was done, and I, I turned to my assistant at the time, and I said, "So, did I go over?" And she goes, "You're like literally within one minute." And it was, it was amazing. I, I and trust me, I didn't spend hours and hours of four hour blocks practicing, right? It was just kind of understanding the story, being familiar with it, speaking from the heart, but I felt really proud of myself that, um, that everything had just come together and I hit my mark and I, I was glad that I was one hour, one minute early rather than one minute late. Cause I always want to kind of give that gift to the audience. If I can be just a little bit earlier than later.
0: Oh, you're so right. And that is so important because I always tell people, you know what? No, you'll never have anyone complain if you finish before the end, but you'll make them a little bit, uh, they'll probably be a little bit stressed out or, or even sometimes frustrated if you go over, because then you're not showing respect for their time and their schedule. And if you're at an event with uh, a lot of speakers, then you're just pushing the limits on everyone else afterwards. So that is yeah. really, really important. But at the same time, it's so impressive being on Mark. And a minute early, you have uh, all my admiration because you cannot follow a oh. or anything. So that is really amazing, <laughs> which brings Thank me... You. How do you prepare your speeches or your presentations, especially when you have to play with that time frame thing? So
1: I, I always do a prep call with the event coordinator beforehand. And I know not every speaker does, but I do. And I always want to understand you know, who is in the audience? What is the demographics? What is the gender? What are challenges that they are currently facing professionally and personally? Mm-hmm. Um, what have, do these professionals already have at their fingertips? You know, where, where, do, where does the event planner think that they need the most motivation? What is the overall theme of the event? you know, what are the expectations of the audience. And so I try to find out all of these details. And that way, when I'm picking my stories, it's not that I'm just picking stories that I want to tell. I'm picking the stories that I think will
0: be the most useful, relatable to them. Yes. And I I love so much how you replied, because it proves that we should always put the audience first the what's in it for them and you do an an admiring job at doing all that research before and i think that should be an inspiration for all other speakers that probably skip that step too many times and are not really focused on the needs that the people they will have in front of them might have so that's really an important part And probably has served you well up until now because of all the preparation that you do.
1: It takes away the anxiety. And also, I know that I'm on point. That's the thing. And I I don't think preparations should be memorizing. Um, I know there's plenty of speakers that do memorize. That's just not my style. Because again, I take those butterflies, I take those nerves, and I channel that into speaking honestly. Yes, because if you're too polished, if you're too rah rah rah, that loses people. They feel like they're being sold. But if you have kind of a nervous energy in your voice, if you're heartfelt, then you'll pull them in more, and they feel like you're with them. You're not talking at them.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely, that is really a good point. That a good tip that everyone should be thinking about. And tell me finally, we're already at the end of this. And you have so many things, so many interesting things that you shared so far. But if you would have to give one tip that would empower either women or men to do great at public speaking, what would it be?
1: Number one, have fun. (laughs) <laughs> okay, number one, have fun. and and I say that because a lot of times people, when they're crafting their stories or thinking about what they're going to say, sometimes they're too much in their head, and you want to have fun with it because yes, you're there to educate, but you're also there to entertain. Yes. And So. Want to bring humor? You want to bring tears. Now, it's and it's okay to cry. I actually admire when I look at TED talks or I look at people and they're so moved that they're crying. They got me right. Yes. I'm with them. I feel their, their situation. So whatever you're moved to feel emotionally, do it. And even if you're angry, even if in your story, it's something that you're going, that you've gone through, like um, we have a radio show at Living Full Out that we do, and and people can learn more about that by going to livingfullout.com, but we will get sometimes guests on our show who are angry about what happened to them, and it's really compelling, and so even as a speaker, showing that emotion
0: will capture your audience and keep them attentive. Absolutely, and it's... I think these days it's all about making sure that they do have emotions when they listen to us because that what makes our talk, our message, and ourselves more memorable because we made them feel something. So that's really, really an important one, and I appreciate All the information you have been so generous and shared so much with the listeners. It's incredible. What I'll be doing anyway, underneath the player, I always put that little bio and how people can reach you so they'll have your website and I'll share at least another social media link so they can connect with you and get to know what you do. And I would also say get inspired by everything that you do, Nancy. I thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you very much. And and I hope everybody lives full out as a speaker and just again,
0: have fun. Absolutely. Thank you again. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell us what you think by commenting and even share with your own networks to inspire and empower others to do public speaking.